Welcome to the Fit Affiliate Podcast, where we talk about behavior and behavior-based conversations as they relate to CrossFit affiliate owners and coaches. My name's Lisa Hetherington, and I'm your co-host. Sitting alongside me are Tony and Chuck, the founders of Fit Affiliate. On your bike there as you continue to pedal on. It creates airflow, so it's like having a fan. I don't right. know if it's working because you have to apply effort and force to it, but it is in fact yeah. That's a theory. Back. Uh, for today's chat then, for just you and I, I thought we would talk about um, a concept that you mentioned a few times in uh, Instagram posts um, through the Fit Affiliate page being the concept of surgical compassion. And that's not a term I've seen thrown around a lot. And I know that, um, you know, I've heard you talk about it. So I thought it would be good to share with our viewers slash listeners, you know, what you mean by that and and how that applies to helping affiliates be better. <laughs> um, well, let's see if we can fit this into one recording. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's an entire sort of uh, theory, I suppose, or a practice wrapped up into one sort of catchphrase. But um, surgical compassion, I would argue, is probably the skill set of a coach that most people are after. Um, I always make the joke about surgical compassion is that it was my catchphrase to give me permission to be abrasive. <laughs> um, and uh, potentially that is, in fact, the case. But, um, you know, it is. It is a job that I find to be, you know, ethically and morally responsible in that, you know, if if somebody entrusts or asks of me to help them um, and I believe that I can do it, I'm going to do it whatever that feels like. And that's really kind of the, the basis behind surgical compassion. Um, the issue with surgical compassion is that I, I do believe that it is a, uh, it is a mindset. It is a skill set that one possesses and it's not one that you can really turn off. And, uh, you find yourself in a handful of conversations every once in a while. You're like, don't want to be here. I can't not be here. They don't want me to be here, but we're both here. And so there's only one way out of this. Um, and so I'm going to help you or you're going to tell me to leave you alone. And so um, surgical compassion, though, all jokes aside, is truly one of the greatest sort of skill sets that I think coaches can develop. And jokingly, yes, it is truly asking or getting permission to be a little bit more abrasive and or relentless. Mm hmm. Um, and it can, it can be a, a hard skill because you sort of ingrain that when you're working in a service industry, you've got to be nice to everybody and not upset people or run the risk of upsetting people. But in our role, in order to help change lives and save lives, you do need to be able to be honest in the conversations. Yeah. I suppose probably the good starting point of this is, is understanding, like, obviously everybody knows the word empathy. It's huge now, right? Everybody's an empath these days, they say. Um, and so empathy is, is one kind of the version and sympathy and then there's compassion. But empathy is, you know, your ability essentially to you know, feel, right? I, I, we, we, I feel what you're feeling. I'm in the moment with you. Um, and, I, and I think that there is, there's a certain amount of that that exists in every coaching relationship. And I do think it is very easy for you to um, get lost in that, right? Cause like, and, and I think that although it can be a great superpower, empathy in and of itself can also be a great weakness, right? Cause like very empathetic coach can find yourself 
much in that same conversation you just said where it's like, I feel bad for you, right? And so much that I feel bad for you, but like, I can feel why that's a struggle for you. And I think it's important to understand the root so that you can understand the solution, but you can get lost in that. And I think that's the first part of it. Sympathy is, is a little bit like that, I think, too. And that sympathy is like your ability to understand. And like, I understand why this is a struggle for you. I understand what you're going through. That makes complete sense. Um, both of those things are very, very important. Um, but again, they can tend to get people a little bit stuck absent of the solution. Whereas like compassion is, um, well, it's the willingness or the commitment or the determination to relieve the suffering. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and I think that that is the, the most important part of that framework, right? Because if you're paying me, uh, hopefully I'm, I'm willing and I'm contractually obligated to relieving that suffering. Mm-hmm. That also infers that if you pay me, I'm going to help you. There's nothing that says that you're going to like the help or what that help is going to look like, but it's going to be help nonetheless. And I think that's where the whole thing breaks down because so many people, they know what they need to do. They know what they need to say. They know what the problem is. They're not comfortable saying it. Um, And as such, they know that they are willingly engaging in not solving that problem because they're unwilling to engage that that conflict, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And so as it applies to like what you were saying about customer service, I don't think, and this is just purely conjecture and speculation on my part, I don't really think that anybody really truly cares about that part of it. Nobody really cares about being, you know, giving the best service. They, they're they using that as permission to not be abrasive when they mm-hmm. know that they probably need it to be. And so it allows them to be like, I needed to help Lisa. I just couldn't because I just couldn't get through to her. Right. Or like I was, mm. you know, whatever that was, customer service got in the way. And, and surgical compassion is certainly not an excuse to be an asshole. Um, it's just, it is, it is permission, whether, whether willing or contractually by the person to ask you for help and then be receptive to whatever that help looks like. Right. And I think there's a contractual side to both sides of it. And the, the emphasis and the, and the, the supposition with surgical compassion is that when you decide that you need help and you come to me because you decide that I'm the one that helps you, we both engage in the understanding that you're accepting whatever I believe to be the service and I'm accepting and nothing except for the resolution. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think um, when people ask for help, they have a predefined thing in their head that what the help will look like or should look like or that they need rather than when you're actually saying, well, no, this is the help I'm going to give you. You may not find it comfortable. Um, That's where some of the conflict can arise and it can be easy to then back out of that and then give them what they want to, to stay comfortable rather than pushing through with that, that, that conflict and, and getting to the real solution that they really need, not just what they think they need. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, isn't that the truth? That's like the heaviest statement of the entire day, right? As you know, we all, we all know we need help, but we all also have an assumption as to what we want that help to look like. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and generally speaking, that is some degree of comfort. (laughs) Um, but generally in that same sort of conversation, most of us don't get into a problem 
on accident, right? It's, it's some degree of willful ignorance. So thinking that, you know, knowing that you have a problem and knowing that you can't individually solve your own problem for yourself without a little bit of help, assuming that you have any idea what the help looks like would be a fool's errand, right? Because like if you knew what help looked like, you'd probably would just be doing it. Um, I mean, there's probably some truth to the fact that you do know what you need to do. You just need to be held to it too. So it's not that all, it's not that all help is miserable and, and, and painful and, and frustrating and, and ruthless. It's just that, you know, it is relentless. It is, it is accountable and it, it is uh, specific, mm-hmm. but that's really what it comes down to. And do you find that when, for example, affiliate owners reach out to Fitfiliate, um, because clearly they want help. Um, many of them probably reach out to you when things are, are looking pretty dire and they feel like they're at the bottom of the barrel. And some of those conversations need to be that, you know, that honest and, and not confrontational, but, um, you know, here's the help that you really need and here's the stuff that you're not looking at. Do you find that people are receptive to that or there's resistance in some cases? Um. I want to be as bold as to say that there's, there's, there's no resistance. Um, I think that generally speaking, um, most people are, are very willing to lean into the process when they get to us. Um, it's not as problematic as you would assume in that people, people end up on our doorstep, obviously, cause things are bad, but we actually have a handful of, and a fair amount of people who end up on the doorstep cause things are good. And because they're good, but they're still not any better. It's even more confusing. Right. Uh, so there's actually both of them end up there and, and help nonetheless is the same. And what's unique about the process with us is that the solution is dependent upon the, the stimulus or the problem, right? So there's not a one size fits all. So as it applies to resistance, because there's an understanding that like, this is my problem. I'm now aware of my problem. And together we've proposed this solution and, you know, I've come up with it myself. The resistance is relatively low because generally like for you as a client, you come up with your own solution. Yep. What we help you do is decide, is that a problem, right? Or is it making one? And does that solve the problem or does it create a new one? Um, and as long as it passes through both of those sort of preliminary frameworks, then we identify that like, you, you get the solution and you want the solution and you have the capacity to do it. And so if you have those three things, then it goes on your to-do list, right? Um, and the issue arises when it goes on your to-do list and then that to-do is not done. Mm. Right? And that happens inevitably. Yep. I wouldn't call that resistance as so much as like, I don't want to do what you're telling me to do. It's that that problem exists not because of a lack of understanding or awareness, that problem exists likely because your limiting beliefs have created that problem. Mm-hmm. And because of that, even though we've clearly and succinctly defined what the to-do is to resolve it, when it came time to do it, reservation and resistance stopped you from actually taking the action and you mm-hmm. left it on your to-do list. And so when we come back next week and we sit down and we're like, well, why didn't that get done? You will politic it. You'll talk mm-hmm. about how the stars and the moon and Jupiter was out of alignment and uh, Mercury was in Gatorade and, and all those things. And, and the reality is, is that we will dig again and then you'll come up with the realization like, damn, I did it because some degree of I don't believe in myself. Right. And so yep. 
I think truly that is the framework of surgical compassion is that I have profound belief in every single human I've ever encountered, whether that be a homeless person or obviously a billionaire, probably more so than they have in themselves, because I truly understand the natural mechanisms of their actions mm-hmm. more than they can see through their own bullshit. And, and don't get me wrong. Listen, I'm full of shit too. Right. Yeah. And so my coaches have to also help me with that as well and be like, you're full of shit. Right. And, mm-hmm. and we all are, but every time I meet somebody, somebody inevitably, no matter who they are, high level performer, basic level human, they're at some degree stuck on their own limitations mm-hmm. uh, and they don't usually see it. Right. And they will create all these false problems and these false narratives to solve for. But the reality is, is that they don't believe in their ability. And so I truly believe my purpose in life and really, honestly, all of us inside Fitfiliate, uh, we've collected all of, all of you guys for this reason is that we believe that it's our purpose in life to pull belief from other humans and, mm. and to get them to believe in them as much as we do. That doesn't mean that I'm going to, I'm going to hug you and love on you and on all those things. If you need them, so be it. But yeah, that's Chuck's job for sure. Um, it is my job to get you to believe in yourself even a third of as much as I believe in you. And that's truly the job of every coach, right? You, If you've been to the seminars, you've heard Chuck and I no doubt say that coaching is just purely the transfer of belief. Mm-hmm. And that is understanding the true human potential of every human, regardless of their their emotions and their, and their bullshit and their baggage and their limiting beliefs, knowing how you can make decisions, what you're physically, mentally, and emotionally capable and hormonally capable of, and why you're not likely going to take action, but what you're truly able to do if somebody just pushes you in the right direction. Like mm. there is nothing that separates a homeless person from a billionaire. Nothing. Not genetically, not otherwise. I mean, circumstance, situation, born into it, it could be a Kardashian, I suppose, but like <laughs> ensure the path might in fact be easier. But mm. from a basic level, they're the same. Now, there's other considerations that do arise, right? There could be, you know, chemical imbalances although I hate that phrase, Um, there can be other situations, there can be other, but the thing that separates a performer in our book from a high performer is really just trauma. Mm. I don't mean like cataclysmic trauma. I don't mean like the bad things you think of with trauma. I think uh, when I say trauma, it is purely just a situation that has arose that was outside your ability to cope with it, right? That's that's Mm -hmm. trauma. And as such, you you will adapt to that trauma and until you confront and address that trauma, you will remain in its loop. And that's really, when you see people, that's all I really see, right? Mm. Is why are you stuck, right? And then the general curiosity in me is always to just start asking invasive questions. <laughs> um, and, and that's really the emphasis of surgical compassion is that like, I'm going to do no harm, but I'm going to do as little as possible to get as much as possible from it. And to make sure that we don't overtreat, mm-hmm. we don't obviously undertreat, but together we're going to solve the problem. And that problem is really just getting you to believe. Mm-hmm. It would be a hell of a lot easier if I had to just cut a tumor out, though. Yeah, well, that, that would be neater. But I agree, it's, it's those conversations where, and I know that in my um, relationship with you, I probably lost count of the amount of times that you've told me what I was to stop talking, it was bullshit, and just to... Tell me why something is is the way it is, and then it makes you stop in your tracks and go, "Oh, well, actually, yeah, I'm just skirting around the real issue of what's stopping me doing the thing that I know that I need to do, but 
don't think that I can do for whatever reason. And we keep, as affiliate owners, we keep putting hurdles in our own way to make the job harder because we do like the trauma. We live in that it's hard space. It's got to be hard. You've got to be grinding. You've got to be, you know, it's supposed to be hard, but it doesn't. Um, that's a dangerous lie. I think we all tell ourselves to, um, well, two things. One, man, that makes me sound like an asshole. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm not at the same time. Um, you do it with love. You know, it, obviously you guys all joke. It's like good cop, bad cop with Chuck and I, but that's not always the case. With all the other coaches. Um, it's just that, you know, obviously we believe very, very heavily in the affiliate model. And one of those things that we believe in is that uh, it's perfect. I don't care. I'll fight you over it because what's perfect about it is that it affords for, it allows for creativity and through that creativity, through a divergent path, no doubt, there is no shortage of possibility. Stop using it as the crutch. Stop using it as a resistance. And so that's like the first big obstacle. So like one of the things that we wanted to do with the affiliate was preserve and protect and, and, and really just shout from the rooftops. The affiliate model is perfect because it's individual. And that's what makes it perfect for the same reason, you know, you're free to be whoever you want to be as a human. You could do the same thing as your affiliate, you know, and I also believe that like, I truly believe that every person is in possession of the solution to their own problems. Now, maybe you don't know what to do yet and you, it's lacking in a skill set or it's lacking in some degree of, of education or awareness, but it's much easier to get you to self-identify that and then go pursue it with a quick Google here or there or, or go hire a teacher to teach you what to do or pick up a book, right? Um, generally, though, we tend to make it about things that it's not, hyper fixate on those problems instead of actually addressing the root problems and then things don't ever get done and then people find themselves, look around, like in an endless loop, right? They just... They kind of do the same thing every day, all day of their life. They probably started doing it when they were in their late 20s. They got that job and then they do it until they, if they're lucky, have enough money put aside to retire, right? And like, mm. I don't think people look at that as a trauma loop, but it really truly is. And that's maybe a little bit insensitive of me to say, but inevitably they have arose or they, a situation has arose where they have come up against something that was hard for them to solve for. And because of that, um, they're like, you know what? I think I want to stay right here at this level. And then yeah. they stay there unaware that they really truly are, are choosing to stay there based on their own actions and loop. But like, if you think about it in terms of like, let's say you were in a car accident, right? Um, that's obviously very traumatic, especially if it was a bad one, they're thrown from the car. Now, until you address and confront and, and make peace with that trauma, you're going to live in that trauma's loop. And that's a very, that's a very easy example to think of as like a car accident, right? Like a car accident becomes like, okay, I don't want to get in cars, right? So like the only solution here is that we're going to have to somehow address this, the safety of the car and, and, and the fact that like everybody feels the same way and that you are individually capable of being back in the car to get you to finally get back in the car. Otherwise, you're just never going to get in the car. Well, that same thing plays out itself in so many other things. And, and as a coach, it's really your job to get to those problems. Not like the, obviously you're not here to get people back in the car, but like, there's a reason people don't squat below parallel. Why not? Right? Hmm. There's a reason why people like, listen, everybody knows to eat broccoli and drink water. Why don't you eat it? It's trauma, right? Hmm. Uh, it, it's not like, you know, 
you were mistreated as a child sort of trauma, but it's like, well, your whole life, birthday parties and, and events in school meant we bring cupcakes and we bring pizza. And so now we have this association that these types of foods are reward types of foods. And so when I feel a certain way about my day, I want to, I want to, I want to reward food. I don't want broccoli and I don't want water, but it's not even really about the pizza versus the broccoli and the water. It's why you needed a reward food to begin with. Why aren't you addressing that root problem in your life? That's forcing you to want pizza mm-hmm. on a Tuesday instead of broccoli when you know you need it because I like it's a no brainer broccoli water and chicken gives you all the fuel all the sustenance all the fiber all the macro all the micronutrients that you need you would be healthier you'll perform way better the next day your boss comes in at two in the afternoon asks you why you didn't respond to an email you didn't see now you got to work till six you stop and grab pizza on the way home right now you're responding to your boss's asshole actions and now you're going to derail tomorrow's performance because you're going to feel like shit. You're probably going to sleep in. You're going to be lethargic. You're going to miss the gym in the morning because you didn't feel well. And now that one email has addressed it, right? So maybe we just need to address A, your work environment, or B, why you have such an email inbox problem. Mm. It wasn't even about broccoli at all. And so the, the emphasis and the, the basis of surgical compassion is that it's not allowing you to pull me into the distraction political conversation of like, I just love pizza. I'm like, listen, mm. you don't. I mean, we all do, but the reality is, is that like, it's fantastic. It's great. But the reason you love pizza is not because like you can make chicken taste just like pizza. Mm. Right. I mean, but that's not the same thing. Your brain doesn't have the same reward system around stopping, smelling it in the car, getting home, opening that box, you know, folding it up, taking a bite of it. Like you can make that chicken p- taste like pizza all you want, but your brain's like, cardboard mm. and it has little to do with with the reality that you've created and it has everything to do with with some degree of experience that you've encountered that's forced you to take some other degree of action and so surgical compassion is really that it's it's that it's getting past it and all sometimes it is just being like no you don't right or you're full of shit or that's not true or no, um, it's funny sometimes, and sometimes it's very painful, as you can attest to, right? You're like, listen, there's tears on both sides. Sometimes I have to poke and prod, and then, like, we end up in a moment together. Now we're both crying, right? And, like, because, again, if you trust me to help you, I don't quit. Yeah. Right? So we're in this together, and if you're crying, I'm crying, but we're fucking getting through this. Like, there's no stopping here. So, like, I get it. Let's get it out, but... I'm going to, we're getting up and we're moving forward as uncomfortable as that may be. Right. But if, if I need to help you and I believe that I need to help you, there ain't no way of coming out of it. And that's the surgical part of it. That's the compassion part of it. And like, and it's really just, it's getting to the core of the problem, treating the actual problem, not the symptoms, not anything else. Right. Cause think about it in terms of, of medical. The reason why surgical compassion became the term is that like, imagine going to the doctor and Instead of going in to just get the surgery that you needed, all of a sudden he just threw a whole bunch of other treatments at you while doing the same thing. Now, it might still work out in your favor because like you got the surgery, but you got all these other things. But what if something happened? Like, what if something goes wrong? Like, nobody knows what was the blame. And that's really what it comes down to is, is getting to it, being methodical and being very meticulous with what the help actually is and what it needs to be. And then being relentless in its pursuit. And I think it's, like going back to what you were saying about even like conversations we've had 
when you're in it with somebody, there's, you know, there's clearly emotion, there's feeling, and there's, it's still that obligation that someone's come to me for help. I'm going to help them as uncomfortable it is for, for both of us maybe, but this is the direction that they need to go in. And, and I'm obligated now that you've asked for help to, to continue to help you rather than just say, oh, you know, I'm sorry that your life's so hard. I don't know what we can do about that. And just sort of backing out of that space where, which is what a lot of people tend to do. And I know that some of my biggest shifts in um, my headspace as well as, you know, action have been as a result of some of those hardest conversations that we have had where you've just asked the right question and, and didn't settle for the generic bullshit answer, which I had talked around and worked around while I was chasing squirrels. It's like, no, 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 let's let's get to the real thing. And that leads to a big shift if you can stay in that space. Uh, I, I hope it makes sense. I mean, you and I, we, we have a common bond here because we've been through it together. So I hope that for people listening to this, they understand the nature of it because I do find this to be a very um, sort of abstract conversation until you've experienced it, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, it can seem like, Oh yeah, I, I've done that before otherwise, but like when you truly have been in a situation with somebody who's like oh, surgically compassionate, like it's a very notable moment. It's, you know, there's an exchange there, there's impact. Um, so, but I, people quit, right? I, I don't have, it's not like I have a hundred percent success rate as a coach, right? not even remotely close, but, and I won't quit, but you could. Right? There's nothing I can do to stop you from quitting. But at least if you're going to quit, it's my job to make sure you're aware of what you're actually quitting for. Right? Like, mm. I, I, don't, I don't want you to quit. I want you to succeed. I want you to achieve. I want you to like truly just take over the world. Inevitably, though, all of us have a stopping point. Right? We're all, we all have a place that is our threshold as far as we're going to get to. Some people, that's becoming a billionaire some people it's being homeless. I don't know. Um, you know, but inevitably, even with the greatest coaching and the greatest help, you're going to get to a certain spot where you're just like, I'm comfortable right here. Mm. Um, and that's okay. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but I, I think that as, as a coach, it's also my job or it's your job as a coach to make sure that people are aware of what the actual problem is. Mm. And then also be aware that they are just aware of it and I'm okay with it and I'm unwilling to solve it. Mm. It's acceptable for me that's a very different place to be in though than the general population who is generally walking around hating their boss and hating their job and hating the government hating each other and hating their car and hating their circumstance because they're distracted Mm. you know my my purpose in life my only real hope in life is that i could show everybody an alternative path and they could choose to follow it Mm. Um, and so that's just really all i ever focus on is creating the awareness of the problem and showing you an alternative. And some people don't want to know it, right? It's, hmm. a, it's for sure easier to think it's your boss's fault. It's for yeah, sure well, I mean, easier to think it's genetics. Even as an affiliate owner, the amount of people that quit because the program didn't work or they didn't like the class schedule or they didn't like this when really they're not, A, eating the broccoli and water and they're not turning up, they're not putting in their shaving reps, they're doing all the things, but they're not, having that accountability that it wasn't something else that didn't work. It was them that didn't do the work. Yeah. I mean, it's the exact same correlation. 
as affiliate owners also claiming that the reason they don't have clients in their gym is because of whatever's happening with Dave Castro and behind the scenes, right? Like mm. it's that, you know, people are doing this or that the programming or this or cap or blah, like those things are all important and their conversations worth having. They all matter. They all play a role, but like they're not stopping you from thriving. Mm. They are right. Just the same as, you know, Cindy's not who she is because of her unfortunate circumstances. You are who you are based on your intentions and your actions, right? And like, that's a heavy thing to grasp. And it's much easier to be like, I want them to tell me what to do. And I want to be told what to do. And I want the affiliate playbook to tell me the nuts and the bolts and, and all these things. And here's the thing, you come in, I'll tell you exactly how to do it. You're not going to do it. Mm. You won't. And then what's going to be the problem? Mm. Who's the next problem at that point, right? Cause then you're going to be like, well, I did everything you said. Now it's, it's, it's something else's fault. And, mm. and that's kind of the last part of what is important about surgical compassion is that what it really does above all things, because it gets to the root, it gets the cause, it gets to the issue. Um, it places the responsibility on the receiver. That's heavy, but mm. people don't want to be in that spot. Right. Cause like as the receiver, you know, to know that like, it's not, the wrench's fault. It's not the screwdriver's fault. It's not, it's, it's just how I'm using it. That's a very different situation to be in. Um, and people don't really like that. No. And it's to be confronted with that you're, you know, in a roundabout way, you're the problem. Um, <laughs> as humans, we like to have control and we like to feel like that we're controlling all the things all the time. And when someone comes to you and says, well, actually, here's the problem, not what you've just been saying it is. It can be a confronting, challenging thing and then being prepared to do that that work. And having someone who can sit outside you and see that and and have, you know, the the balls to, to actually say it to you is a is a thing that doesn't happen a lot in life these days. But, you know, clearly we, we could all do with more of it. Um yeah, and here's a hard thing. So stay with me guys. Um a lot of people pay for help to transfer responsibility. Mm -hmm. They don't actually want to solve the problem. They don't even actually really want to be helped because that struggle gives them purpose. That's a lot. That's a whole different podcast. We're not going into that one. <laughs> uh, but we, well, we've all seen it, right? How many clients have come to you and paid you for nutrition advice only to tell you that you gave them the wrong advice? Really what they're saying is that it's your fault I'm overweight still, mm. right? And that feels good for them because it's no longer their fault anymore. You led them astray. You failed them. It's your fault. Yeah. Uh, and, and we see this all the time. And, and a lot of people in the, in the business help sector, there's a lot of gurus, mentors, and, and information peddlers out there who are making a killing selling people solutions to their problems because those people aren't going to solve their problems at all. They just want to pay for that solution to be like, it's their fault. It's yeah. not my fault. Right? I paid you, you still failed. But like the mechanism changed. What's unique about us is that there's no place to hide there, right? There's not, it's not, it's not a system that failed you. It's not, it's not advice. It's not anything that you could have done to, to transfer responsibility to make us culpable. It is simply, let's figure out what Lisa's actual problem is. Let's solve that problem, you know, and then you go do it. Hmm. Um, if 
you don't do it, we just ask you why you didn't want to. That's all. Um, and, and that's why I think that we have such a high rate of success inside is because it's not about information. It's not about a client's ability to abdicate or transfer responsibility. It's not about a distraction. It's just about getting to the roots of problems, surgically removing them and then moving forward and recovering. I will say that the problem that I first had when I first reached out to you guys, we had our initial chat and you sat there very nicely and listened and numbed and art in the right places and, and they're there when, when you needed to. And then it was like, let's, let's go down this process, you know, and we started and it's like, okay, well, here's what your, your problems really are. And it, through our conversations and the, the small tasks that sort of were like breadcrumbs along the path leading you to, ah, oh, that's actually the problem. It's me. It's not, you know, my staff. It's not the gym down the road. It's not, you know, my childhood. It's actually me being in my own way. Yeah. And I think for anybody that's listening to this, that's not a client. I mean, I think that's a question to ask yourself. Are you, are you willing to hear that? Are you willing to learn that? Are you willing to, to accept that you are the reason you're not where you want to be? Mm. Or do you want it to be somebody else's fault? Because if you want, and one of the things that we do in the consultation is look for exactly that, right? In the event that I, we sniff out and we believe that like, you're just looking to displace responsibility and to shift that responsibility, we won't take you. I mean, there's no point. There's enough other people who can distract you and like, just go that way. But if we believe that you are capable of receiving coaching and being directed and truly want to actually just solve your own problems, not be given advice, then we take you, then we'll bring you on. Um, and, and that's, it's really a truly important part of the process for us is it does allow us to be a lot more selective with the clients, but it's just because if we're not selective, it's not going to work and we don't really like to fail. Yep. Um, but still some get through straight yeah. up. Like we've had lots of clients that come through and like we solve all the problems objectively, but you know, there's still some elephants in the room that need to be solved for that are going to like, they're in a much better place financially and otherwise, and like things are going well, but like they're one step shy of just absolute greatness. But that step is stepping off. It's that Indiana Jones thing. It's like oh. stepping off the cliff and believing that they're going to catch themselves. And they're like, nah. And then at that point, then the whole thing kind of breaks down and then, but it's okay. Cause they still were successful. We just always, we will push you as far as we're able to push you, but inevitably we all get to that cliff and we're like, yes, I know for me, I'm going to stay right here. View is yeah. fantastic. Great sunrises. I'm happy with this, this, this spot. And it it's done in a way. And I know that you said earlier, I said it made it made you sound like an asshole, but it's actually done in a way that is not that. It's quite a, and I know this is an overused term, but it's like a safe space, but it's done in a way where it's kind of gradual and you you follow the path and you answer the questions and then before you know it, you're like, oh, and you're sitting in the room and suddenly you can see all your elephants in the room and you guys are sitting there going, yeah, we've we've known about these elephants. We've just been waiting for the right time to bring them them up with you. You had to be ready to hear it. And it's done in a way that's, um, not um, designed to cause you pain or hurt or make you feel like shit about yourself. But it's like, yeah, we've been keeping the elephants, feeding them. We know that they're here. Now it's time to talk about them. And I think they're the actual words that you said to me about something I was working through going, 
yeah, we've known this from day one, but we just needed the right time for you to get to this point yourself. And it's like, and if you didn't bring it up soon, we were gonna. And you're like, oh, the lights go on and you go, oh, yeah, okay. I'm keeping a whole zoo full of these damn things in here. Let's start <laughs> weeding them out. It, uh, I mean, it's 100% dependent upon the relationship with the client. Um, every, every single client is truly different. Um, I think the first big thing is that, like, I truly love all of my clients. Like, love. Like, I would jump into the fire for every single one of you guys. But I also know that I can't, right? If I did, like, I would be... I would be taking away your opportunity. I'd be stealing that lesson from you. So like, it's really hard to stand on the sidelines and be like, why can't you just see that? And the other thing that's important is that um, I can't just tell you what's wrong, right? Like, cause if I just came out and was like, here Lisa, this is what's wrong. You'd be like, um, fuck you, right? Like, you know, it, it, that awareness has to come and through a fairly, you know, for lack of a better word, organic process. Uh, you know, it, it has to come out of the relationship and some relationships, like our relationship is fun. Like we, we, there's definitely some real big moments of discomfort and there's lots of tears and like other clients, there's no tears at all, right? There's not even really like, it's, you know, a little bit of joking here or there. And like every client is different because it's the, the old adage of coaching. If, if what you're doing isn't working, you just change the way you're coaching. Right. And so like, that just we just adapt the model and we adapt the delivery to every single person independently. But you guys decide it. So, I mean, is all jokes aside, like, yeah, we're gonna bring the elephants out in the room. Sometimes it's you know, we throw a whole like circus and then we parade the elephant out. Other times we just drop that bitch from the helicopter. But <laughs> um, it's really dependent on on how big of a problem it is. But really, what it comes down to is how. how how ignorant you are to the elephant because some of some elephants like you're like i mean i know it's there i just don't want to see it right like mm. don't don't talk about it other times you're completely blind to it and like we see it we're like how does lisa not see this elephant it's literally sitting on her head like mm. she's gonna it's gonna it's just gonna crush her and those times we're like all right listen i got there's an elephant on your head right yeah. and you're like uh-uh i'm like yeah no i promise it's been there your whole life so you don't even know that it's there anymore. Yep. And it's the outside perspective that I think is so important and fun and enjoyable. But truly, I just, I love listening to people. Um, mm. It's just one of those things I've always enjoyed. And um, I think even as a, as, a, as a child early on, I was very aware that I was like, oh, Uncle Danny, you're full of shit. Um, yeah. You don't even know it. <laughs> like, like, you know, none of that happened, right? Like, um, you know, and it's not even so much like a blatant lie. It's just that, like, you become very aware of things. But, like, I just like listening to people. And then you start to listen and you're like, I could help them. Right? Mm. And so then you listen and you pay attention to everybody else in the room. And, like, they're all listening. They're all hearing the same story. They're all having the same awareness that I am. But then they're like, I don't want to say anything. Mm. Right? I can't do that. It's impossible. And I don't think any other coach can either. I think yep. if you're truly drawn and compelled to being a coach, when you're in that room and like the other eight people are just nodding and yesing somebody to death, yeah. when when that person is, you're going to be like, you know, that sounds crazy, right? Yeah. They're going to be like, what? what? And like, I'm sorry. I don't want to, like, and you end up in that moment. And I think that that's really what separates a coach from somebody who's just looking for something to do. Right. 
Yep. I think coaches understand surgical compassion at a different level. And I think that defining that term starts to make it make a lot more sense for them. Yep. And it, and, and it is about that need to, the willingness to, to help all the, like you said, the compulsion to help rather than just giving someone a, a validation and a, a, your life, your life is so hard and they're there rather than, well, you can change it. Like there's, there's, you, there's no barrier around you right now. Yeah. I mean, surgical compassion is a gift. It's a gift to receive and it's a gift to give to other people. Um, I don't think all people are designed to do it. I think that it is something that is, is a part of your, your intrinsic nature. I think it can be learned. I think it can be developed. I think it can be evolved. I think mm. certain people possess it more than others. I've encountered yep. it more often than not. Um, but I do think, however, anybody who is on the receiving end of it is changed for forever. We all have, hopefully, at least I hope for everybody's case, for sake, they all have that one coach in their life at some point who truly changed their entire trajectory. Mm. And I bet if you looked back and you dug back into that, the reason that they were able to do that is because they believed in you more than you believed in yourself and whatever that moment was. And they were unwilling to allow you to accept anything else. Mm. And, those, and, and you're right. Those people in those moments do stick with you for sure. And you're grateful when you look back and you see the trajectory you're on, you're like, I wouldn't have done that without that conversation. Those words that, that, uh, you know, whilst it might've felt uncomfortable or difficult at the time, it really was a catalyst to, propel you yeah. to where you need to be. The time it was a ripple, but eventually it becomes a tidal wave, right? People, people become yeah. massive amounts of energy from small little changes. And yeah. like, if you can be that for people. It's awesome to watch that just play out in life and just watch them just kind of, you know, take that same momentum and that same skill set and drive forward. Yeah. Even if what you taught them was such a, a disconnected and even disassociated sort of, lesson yep that's awesome i think that's a a good note to wrap up um our little chat about that that concept of surgical compassion and i know that there's a blog post that uh you've got that people will be able to access we'll put you some want to hear me rant even more yes there is a <laughs> yes. lot more words like three or four pages i think of it um that can be delivered to your inbox that's correct and we'll put the details of that in the show notes for anyone that's interested in that but thank you for your time once again, Tony. Great um, information, great chat, and I will chat to you on the next one. Sorry, it was only half as entertaining today. But... <laughs> no, I think I think we we made up for it today. It was good. We always miss Chuck, but this was good. Just me rambling for forty two minutes. No, it's great. Thank you, my friend, for listening to the Fitfiliate podcast. If you would be interested in hopping on a free call with us to just kind of chat about what you think your problems are and what you think the gap is between where you're at and where you want to go. We can see if maybe we can help you along that journey, figure out if we're all a good fit to do some sweet things together. So click the link, set up a consult. Let's help you identify some problems that we can mutually solve.